Good evening. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight. Uh, pastors are out of town, so I'm filling in tonight. We're going to have a great time. We just uh, had an awesome song. I was saying that the name of it's Promise Keeper, and I had never heard that song before. Um, and it really goes along well with what we're talking about tonight. And uh, about five o'clock, four thirty, the Holy, Holy Spirit just said. Uh, I was thinking about doing a song or not, and he said, Promise Keeper, and I thought, we don't have a song called Promise. That's not the name of a song. I know a song that has the words Promise Keeper in it, but I didn't feel like that's what he was saying, and so I, I looked at Promise Keeper on YouTube, you know, and, and the really popular song, uh, uh, That Is Who You Are, you know, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, you know, that's the, that is the most popular one right now that has the words Promise Keeper in it, but I didn't feel like that was what he was talking about. So I was scrolling and I, th- I saw this one and I felt like that's it. And I listened to it and I thought, wow, what an awesome song, you know. So, you know, I guess Holy Spirit does know everything. So that is reassuring. But I, so I, he wanted that play tonight. So, and I, you know, it was, it was like personalized, like sing this. I know who's going to be there. This, this is what I'm saying. I am a promise keeper. You know, we have a sure thing in the Lord, don't we? He don't ever lie. He, he, don't, he can't lie. If you, you think about it, there's, I feel like there's two ways to think about that. When someone says God can't lie, like he physically, he literally cannot lie. He can't tell a lie. But also, it's kind of impossible. If God says that chair is yellow, that chair is going to be yellow. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like he can't lie because whatever he says, that's how it's going to be, right? But So he never lies. Um, so... Tonight, uh, I really wasn't going to do a title, but then this came to me earlier today, and uh, what I got for tonight was uh, living boldly in fearful times. And um, we are going to talk about boldness, and um, there will be a lot of that, but more of why we are bold and where that boldness comes from. And the message that I got for tonight I believe the Holy Spirit gave me, is to just stir us up. You know, we're not going to go over anything that we've never heard ever, you know, before. Some, well, some people watching may have never heard some of this before. But I know who's in the room, and I know what we're taught, and I know what we know. But, you know, um, Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift of God within you. And when he told Timothy that, Timothy was going through some really hard times. And he called, you know, he said, call to remembrance these things. And he told him to stir himself up. And then he, and we're going to go into that verse in a minute. But I really believe that tonight, I I had such an urgency uh, for the message tonight, probably more than I've ever had an urgent type, you know, um, impression in my spirit of stirring up confidence and boldness. Um, I feel like we are all confident and bold, but you know, there's new levels of that. And sometimes when we go through things in life and we're in a situation for a while, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, our experience will kind of, will kind of scratch at that boldness and it can kind of dull it down, you know, when we're going through certain things for a long time. So, and I, and you know, passivity and compromise, they're not going to stand in the days that we're living in. And we, we can see now the church as a whole has been too passive, and we've compromised, and we've sat quiet when we should have said something. And, you know, whatever you compromise on, that you're going to lose if you don't take your stand, right? And so uh, my prayer is that the body of Christ as a whole will be bolder and brighter than we've ever been. And I know we will be because, you know, as Pastor said uh, a few 
Sundays ago, a couple months ago, he had a word from the Lord and he said, the awakening's already begun. So the things are turning around whether we see it or not. Amen? So awake people are bold, aren't they? <laughs> and as believers, we know, and the title says fearful times because in the days that we're living in, the end times, it is fearful for some people. We know as believers, we're not to be afraid. Jesus told us what was going to happen. We already know. He said, I told you this thing so you would, you would not be afraid. You know, you know, we know what to expect and we know, we know what to do in these times. But if you're not, if you, if you are not a believer... And you, or maybe if you're a believer and you don't know who you are in Christ, they are fearful times, right? Because you can turn on, well, you don't have to turn on the news. You can just kind of look around. <laughs> I mean, you can see like, you know, uh, Houston, we have a problem. This is not looking, <laughs> this is not looking good. So I want to start this. Uh, what he gave me to start this was Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Um, I think that this is probably, of all my years of children's church, this is the one, you know, this is the one verse and the one lesson we had that really just always stuck with me. And whether y'all taught it or any, or you know, Pastor Matt or uh, Miss Joyce, whoever, I mean, this was just drilled into us as children. The righteous are as bold as a lion, you know. And so, but why? But why are the righteous as bold as a lion? So let's talk about some of that. You know, if, you, if you've ever heard or seen, or have you ever heard or seen of a lion shying away from a threat? I, I mean, never, right? You can, you can watch endless hours of Animal Planet and Nat Geo Wild, you know, and it's fun to watch them. I like watching them. You know, they're, they're called the king of the jungle, even though they're not really in the jungle. But, you know, they're the king. They, they take precedence no matter where they're at. For one, they're incredibly strong. They're fearless and courageous. They exude leadership and impressive social structure within their pride. I don't know if you've ever watched them, but the way they orchestrate themselves and organize themselves within their pride, within their group, they all have jobs, and they know what their jobs are. It's amazing to watch, you know. And they have a uniquely loud voice, and I didn't know this. <clears throat> I was looking some of this up. But it can cause humans and other animals to go completely deaf. Did you know that? They have, uh, if you're in a certain proximity to it, you will lose your hearing. It, it is so loud, and it's because something's di something is different in their vocal cords. They have something, you know, and I thought, yeah, well, we, we as Christians have that, right, when we speak the word. And they have almost zero enemies when full-grown, obviously. I mean, who is going to come up against the lion? The, uh, they're, they're, they're the most feared animal. The only time they have an enemy is when a hyena gets... It tries to take a cub if it, the cub's falling behind, you know, because they're not going to dare take on a full-grown lion. But, you know, they try to wait till no one's watching and get the cub. And that reminded me of the devil. So <laughs> the hyena reminded me of the devil. <laughs> We're as bold as a lion. And, that, and the devil will wait till he sees a little weakening or an opening, and he'll try to strike then. But he really doesn't want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with us, not really. <clears throat> I mean, he is stupid, but, you know. So the righteous are compared to the lion for a good reason, right? I mean, you can, you can contrast the two of, of why they are, why Solomon compared these two. Well, righteousness, it produces boldness because of our right standing and our total access to the Father and everything He has. It's not dependent upon us, we know that, but because of Jesus. His righteousness is a free gift received by all who put their trust in Him. You know, when you are in right standing with God and you know who you are in Christ and you know all that you have been given and 
and that you have total access to the Father, that does produce a boldness, right? It produces a boldness in us. So however, but the verse says the wicked flee when no man pursueth. They're just, they're just constantly on edge. They're, you know, unrighteousness breeds fear and failure and cowardice, shame, sorrow, and despair because man is only dependent upon himself. He has no hope. He is his own God. That is a very sad day. I mean, he's left to the world's system of living, and he's subject to every type of bondage from the kingdom of darkness. But, you know, if Christians don't learn and walk in who they are, we will live no differently on this earth than the unrighteous. We won't walk and move in boldness. Even though who we are, you know, we know that we're righteous, but if we don't have, a, we renew our mind of that and have a re revelation of that, we're going to be just like the ones that flee when no man pursueth, right? Because we don't know, like everything's been laid to your account, but you don't even know what you have, <laughs> you know. So back to Paul and Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.5, he says, I remember your sincere and unqualified faith, um, the, surrendering, the surrendering of your entire self to God in Christ with confident trust in his power, wisdom, and goodness, a faith which first lived in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and Lexi, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you that this is in the Amplified, 2 Timothy 1.5. She's doing the scriptures, and I went a little too fast. But he tells you, so he's calling this to his remembrance, right? And he says that I'm confident that it is in you as well. That is why I remind you to fan into flame the gracious gift of God, that inner fire, that special endowment, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So he, it's in there, and he says, and I want to call these things to your remembrance, and I want to encourage you, and I want to stir it up. So we do have things in us that have to be stirred up. And he's fanning that flame, right? And how's he doing that? He's speaking truth to Timothy, and he's fanning that flame. He's, he's stirring up that confidence and that boldness of who he already is, right? He says, for God not, has not given us, he did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or fear. That sounds like the wicked who flee when a man pursueth. He says, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound judgment and personal discipline, abilities that result in a calm, well-balanced mind and self-control. So I was looking at some of these words. You know, it says God did not give us the spirit. We talked about this in youth um, last Wednesday. God did not give us the spirit of timidity or a spirit of fear, right? We know this is fear. But he said he has given us the spirit of power. We're not trying to get this. We have it. So when you look into these words, um, did a little word study on uh, power. He's talking about dunamis. We know what dunamis is, right? It is the power of God. I mean, it is his power. It is what is flowing through him that he said he has given us that spirit of power. And I'm sure we've all heard of Rick Renner. And I really love the way Rick Renner will take something, translate it, you know, and put the meaning of it. So here he says, and I think this is really interesting, the word power is from the well-known Greek word dunamis, which describes God's power and ability. But very often in classical Greek and in the Old Testament, the word dunamis was also used to depict the assembled, depict the assembled forces of an army whose combined strength enable them to achieve unrivaled victories. Unrivaled, I mean, they don't even stand a chance. These troops were so strong that they simply could not be resisted. But in addition to that, we find in classical Greek that the word dunamis can also describe the power that is inherent in a certain aspect of nature. For example, the power in a hurricane would be described as dunamis power. 
because it is a power so mighty that it is impossible to resist and it's impossible to defeat. That kind of power is what he's talking about, dunamis. He, ha- he has not given you that spirit of fear. But what he did give you, what you already have, whether we feel like we have it or not, is that, that spirit of power, right? That spirit of unrivaled victories. I mean, Amen. you could try all day long, devil, but... Um, <laughs> so the next word I want to look at is love, a spirit of love. Well, we know he's talking about agape here. It translates into the word agape. And we know that the agape is the God kind of love. It's a love that's so profoundly that it knows no limits or boundaries and how far, wide, high, and deep it will go to show that love to its recipient. If necessary, agape love will even sacrifice itself for the sake of that object or person it so deeply cherishes. Agape is the highest form of love. It's a self-sacrificial type of love that moves the lover to action. Mm. Which we see that God so loved the world. God so agape. He is love. He is agape. It's almost like you could read it. Agape so agape the world. It moved him to action, right, to send Jesus. Agape is a love that has no strings attached. It's not looking for what it can get, but for what it can give, which is why this type of love never gets offended. It's awe of the one who is loved and is so deep that it's compelled to shower love upon that object or person regardless of the response. This is the profound love God has for the human race. For he loved man when he was still lost in sin with no ability to love him back, God simply loved mankind without any thought or expectation of receiving love in return. So that's, we know, agape, but that's what he's, that is the word translated here. So, for, so far we have, he did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of dunamis, agape. And then the word translated sound mind is the word sophronismosis, I think. But it means complete soundness. So in all parts of all aspects of who you are, complete soundness, self-control discipline. You're not swayed this way or that way. You're not double-minded. You're not here one day and here the other day. No matter what's going on around you, what it looks like or whatever, you have the sovereign osmosis. You are completely sound. You are, you know, you have self-control and discipline. You make decisions based on the truth and not whatever you're saying. This is what he's telling Timothy because, you know, Timothy's going through some things. He said, you have this kind of sound mind. A sound mind that's not swayed, but it's anchored in the truth of God's word. Amen. So as righteous sons of God, this is what we already have presently. We don't have to try and obtain a spirit of power, of love, or of a sound mind. We've already received it. Ephesians 3.11 says, uh, This perfectly wise plan was destined from eternal ages and fulfilled completely in our Lord Jesus Christ, so that now we have boldness through Him. If you, if you think about it, it just says, it just mentions Jesus. It doesn't really say anything about what we did because we did not do anything. <laughs> so our boldness comes through Him, amen? We just received Him. We put our faith and our trust in Him. We have boldness through Him, and we have free access as kings because God is King of kings and Lord of lords. We have free access of kings before the Father because of our complete confidence in Christ's faithfulness. We're going to look at this word boldness and the way it's translated. Um, we know what bold means and boldness means. You know, you're unreserved. You're, you know, you take action. You do these things. But the way, the way boldness is translated, there's really a, not a good English, a proficient English translation. It's much more deeper than that, and we're going to look at that. But we have boldness through Him and free access as kings. And we know these things, and we've heard these things, and we believe these things 
But this was the impression that I got to stir this up in us because when we go through certain situations or just the days we're living in as well, are there things in our life that we feel like we're coming as kings before the Lord to discuss this matter? I could tell you that I'm not. That really helped me tighten up. We're coming as kings before him, and we have this boldness to do that because of who we are, because of what Jesus did. You're coming as a king before the Father in complete confidence in Christ. You're leaving yourself out of it because it has nothing to do with you. Amen? That blessed me. That produces boldness. In Hebrews 4.16, now we are going to look at that one, Lexi, if you'll put Hebrews 4.16 up in the Passion Translation. I really like the way the Passion Translation puts this. Uh, we're going to actually back it up to um, verse 14 in the Passion. Can you let me know? Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you'll back it up to verse 14 for me. Yeah. I'm sorry, I said 16, but I meant 14. And there's a note on here I wanted to read about. It's amazing how much when you go look at and do word studies on things and you just get a deeper revelation of the, of the verse. And it's amazing. Okay. So then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true. For we have a magnificent king priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. Right, in our weakness, in, you know, in just our human nature. He understands humanity, for as a man, our magnificent king priest was tempted in every way, just as we are, and he conquered sin. He conquered sin as a man, not as God. So now, because of what he did, what we just read, because of what he did, now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned. To receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Um, this word strengthen, um, it talks about urgent help. We, we see, we discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us. This is a high priority of help. In other words, when you come boldly to the throne of grace, the Father places an urgent demand on this type of help. It's not something, no matter what we think is small or large, He views it as urgent help, no matter what, you know, however we, even if it's not something we think is urgent help. But this, but the word strengthen is often used as reinforcing. And the way that, uh, the way it translated this is, when it's talking about strengthening, it's talking about reinforcing, like they would reinforce a ship in a storm. And all the, thing, and all the ways they would re reinforce this ship to go through any kind of weather, any kind of threat, any kind of damage. And it relates it to this. When we come freely and boldly, and we know we can because of what Jesus did, He strengthens us. He reinforces us. No matter what we're going through in this time of weakness, no matter what it is. So it's not just a you know, pat on the back, oh, you'll be okay, God loves you, and He does, and that's great. But He's talking about some major help here. When you come boldly to Him as a king, because that's what you are, a king of kings, He says, no, I'm, this is urgent, and I am strengthening you, and I am reinforcing you in this time of need. You know, you're not going down. <laughs> Amen? And that produces boldness in us. You know, 1 John 5.14 says, and you don't have to put this up, Lexi. It says, and this is the confidence, the assurance. We have this privilege of boldness. 
which we have in Him. We are sure that if we ask anything, if we make any kind of request according to His will, in agreement with His own plan, we know that He listens to us and He hears us. And if since we positively know that He listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the request made of Him. We have, we have granted us as our present possessions the request made of Him. You know, when Jesus prayed, He said, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm really praying for them. I know you hear me, but, you know, it makes them feel better. So I'll, you know... To make them feel better, I'm praying out loud, but I know that you always hear me. Do we pray like that? We should. We have this boldness. We have this access. <laughs> praying as kings, he, he says, well, I know you hear me. And because I know you hear me and you listen to us and you said whatever we ask, uh, you know, according to your will, we have it. And we've already got the, the, we have the present possession of it, the request that we made of you. So it's almost like God wants us, God wants to answer our prayers <laughs> more than we even want to ask, right? That he's more eager to answer our, our prayers and it's like, we're the ones coming up with all the reasons that we think God's not going to or that we can't, you know, we're looking at us and well, I didn't and I'm not and, you know, this, is ha this happened before and, I, and that's not in the scripture anywhere. That's just stuff that we add in there that's, that's, that, that's not who we are. You know, it, it brings glory to the Father when our prayers are answered. And this is not supposed to be a once-in-a-while event. You know, when you've been praying about something and the Lord answers that prayer and it's just like a wow, you know, I mean, it just astounds us and it's awesome. But, you know, it's not supposed to be a every once-in-a-while event. That's supposed to be our daily Christian life. That's just supposed to be normal Christianity. This is what, this is what he's talking about, this righteousness, this free access, this boldness. And in a minute, we're going to get into that, what that boldness means and what, when they say boldness... It means it's more than just coming to the Father with no reserve. I mean, it's, it's like, are we supposed to be allowed to talk to God like that type of boldness? This is the privilege of boldness He's given us, to come right up to Him. It, he said where love is enthroned, where grace is enthroned. John 14, 12 says, I assure you and I most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. And He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name as my representative. This I will do so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I think he wants us to get the point. <laughs> he kept telling them, like, I, it sounds too good to be true, but I'm telling you this. And I keep telling you this. You know, something, and we know this, but remember that will and shall are promises. They're absolutes. When he says, I will, I shall, he said, I'm telling you, I, I'm assuring you, and I can't be any more serious when I say this to you. He said, anyone who believes in me, he will do the things that I do, and he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. It's not because we've prayed, we've fasted, we've, we've done all these things, you know, um, you know, we haven't had a bad thought about somebody. We haven't. That's not what he said. That's sometimes if we're not careful, we qualify as that, even though it's like, no, we know better than that, right? But if you're not careful, we'll do that. He said, because I'm going to the Father. Again, it's not even about us. We're not included anywhere in there other than those who believe in me. Well, that would be us. That's our part, believing. We know that we're the believer. He's the performer. He said, but you're going to do all this when you believe in me because I'm going to the Father, right? Not because we're so special. And that emboldens me. 
And because if we had to be perfect, nobody would be doing anything, right? That would never work, and he knows that. <laughs> so thank you, Jesus. He said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. As my, I will, I will, I will. This I will do, and so that the Father may be glorified. And then he tells us again, anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. Look at that boldness that he gives us, that assurance that, you know, there's nothing holding you back. There's nothing holding us back other than us. <laughs> Amen. So we're coming up with the reasons why God can and won't answer our prayers, and, and Jesus made it very simple. It has nothing to do with you. So amen. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, all the, promises of in, of, all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen. So what makes us a candidate of all the promises? In Him. That's it. Are you in Christ? Then all His promises are yes and amen. He's not holding a single thing back, and He wants more for us than we know. But we'll get settled and we'll get satisfied with just enough. But we should go after the more because all of his promises are yes and amen. And it's easy to get to a place where it's like, you know, well, I've got this and this is better and we, you know, we're doing good here or whatever. But he didn't tell you to stop there. He said all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen. So if that's all the qualifications and we're in him, why are we not going for more? Amen? Once again, we, it's, we hold ourselves back. We, don't, we get settled, and we get satisfied, and we get full with just enough. But he's calling us to dare to be bold and step out. We have that privilege of boldness. We have that free access to him, to be bold and to step out and believe God for those humanly impossible things. There's nothing that you can do to qualify for the promises of God in your, on your own, in your own. If you're in Him, you're qualified. That's it. Case closed, you're qualified. 2 Corinthians 3.12 tells us, so then this amazing hope living in us, uh, with this amazing hope living in us, we step out in freedom and boldness to speak the truth. We shouldn't have anything going on when we know this, this hope and this truth in us. We, we are free to step out. We are free to speak boldly, speak the truth boldly. So, I wanted to lay a little bit of ground for the boldness and how we see this translating. But now I want to put it in more terms of what the boldness looks like. And uh, I'm, we're going to look in Acts to see some um, examples of that boldness and what this confidence looks like in our everyday lives. You know, Holy Spirit, He's the one that enables us to walk in this boldness and to live in this boldness, right? Because He's the greater one. He's living on the inside of us. We have everything we need in Him, right? He's our comforter, our counselor, our strengthener, our standby. I mean, isn't it so encouraging and emboldening to know that there's never a day that we're going to wake up no matter what happens and, and we're going to have to figure something out on our own? <laughs> I mean, you think about it. That's the truth. And it sounds nearly too good to be true because that's the gospel. He never told you you're going to figure anything out on your own. Amen. Sometimes we think, well, I'll figure this out. But if it was something bigger, you know, and we don't really think, I don't think we really think that way. I just think we just tend to gravitate more to that. Like, well, this is little, you know, I, I can figure this out. But why don't we go to him with everything? With every little inconvenience. Don't wait till something's, you know, you know, if, it's like if you walk in your house and you have a little closet that's on fire and you're like, oh, that's no big deal. And if you, you know, and, but then it's like we wait till the whole house is on fire to do something about it. That's kind of, you know, that's what it translates to. No, he said, come boldly to the throne of grace. You, you have the access 
to come boldly. You have that privilege of boldness. He said, and you're going to get urgent help right, right now. I mean, real reinforcement. So when we look at, um, you know, we know the story of Peter and how the disciples were. You know, they were with Jesus. They loved Jesus. Most of the time they had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, they were with him. They loved him. They were right there, right? Um, and then we see this change when Jesus, is, when Jesus goes up to heaven and he tells them to wait, right? He's telling them to wait for the promise of the Holy Ghost. And they're waiting. And you see such a dramatic change from who they were before the infilling of the Holy Spirit and afterwards. The boldness. I mean, they are new people. I mean, they're, they're nothing like they used to be. Uh, so we know in Acts 2 it talks about the upper room experience um, and what happened at the, uh, at the upper room. And that's in Acts 2. I'm not going to go there because we, we know that story. But I do want to go to Acts 3. Um, and I'm going to read some of this out of the Passion. Lexi, if you want to put it up, I don't know that I'll read the whole thing, but we'll see. So I'll catch up to that if you just want to leave it at 3. It says, One afternoon Peter and John went to the temple for the 3 o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going in to worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. So I think it's very interesting to, to note that Peter and John, um, they're, going into, they're going to prayer. They're not coming back from prayer. They're going to prayer. And Peter and John, looking straight in the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. So they see him. He's crippled. I mean, he's, you know, he's down bad. He's, he's going through some things, right? And uh, they said, look at us. Well, <laughs> <I'd>, <laughs> we should be like Peter and John, right? We should say, look at us. But as a whole of the church temperature, are we saying, look at us? No, we're saying, do not look at us, <laughs> right? We're like, we love you. We'll pray for you. We're going to send you down to the next, you know, we, we know a great surgeon. You know, we know a great whatever. And that's not right. They said, look at us. Why? That's pretty bold, right? The righteous are as bold as a lion. Their only reason they're saying, Peter was not saying, look at us a few chapters ago, a few books ago, right? He was like, Jesus who? I don't, I don't know him, you know? <laughs> so he goes from, I don't know Jesus. Who, who, who are you talking about Jesus to look at us, right? That, that is a major shift. So he says, look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. So he's like, oh, you know, I'm about to get something. Then Peter said, I don't have money, but I'll give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man, and he pulled the man to his feet. And suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned. And then he began to walk around. As he went to the temple courts with Peter and John, he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. When all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it was in the crippled beggar, that, that he was the crippled beggar they had passed by in the front, in front of the beautiful gate. Astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened to him. Could you imagine putting yourself, put yourself there and seeing what happened to him and how they would have reacted. He, he'd been there forever. You know, I mean, they, they just always, you know, 
that's just him, and he's, you know, every day he's going to be out there, and he's going to be begging for money, and then until one day that stopped. All of a sudden, it stopped, right? Because two men who knew who they were in Christ, full of the Holy Ghost, said, we're not, we're not doing that, right? They said, look at us. We have what you need. You don't need money. We have what you need, right? And, and that's normal Christianity. But I think it's really interesting that, you know, they were going to prayer. They weren't coming back from prayer. You know, sometimes we qualify things and, well, I haven't, you know, we, we see somebody and we think, well, you know, I really need to, I need to pray for them or I need to do something, you know, but we feel like, well, you know, you just, if you're not careful, you'll get into your feelings and be like, well, I haven't prayed and I, you know, I'm not ready. I need to be, I need to have soaked in the word a little more, you know, and all those things are great. We should do all those things. You know what I mean, though. Or at least I, I have had that, that feeling before and like of I need to do a little more I need but why why do I need to do something more because am I the one oh no I'm not the one right I'm just the believer he's the performer hmm. so dumbfounded over what they were witnessing the crowd ran over to Peter and John who were standing under the covered walkway called Solomon's porch they were standing there uh, with uh, the beggar clinging to Peter and John with the crowd surrounding him Peter said to them all people of Israel listen to me why are you so amazed by this healing? And why do you stare at us? So first he said, look at us. And then he says, why are you staring at us? Right? So he see, we're seeing two different things. We're saying, look on us because we know who we are in Christ, right? We know who we are, what we have. And now he's saying when they're looking at him like, oh, wow, how did you do this? He said, why are you looking at us? We didn't make this crippled man walk by our power or authority. Thank you, God. The God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has done this. For he has glorified his servant Jesus, the one you denied to Pilate's face when he decided to release him, and you insisted that he be crucified. Well, you rejected the one who was holy and righteous and instead begged for a murderer to be released. You killed the prince of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we stand here as witnesses to that fact. Faith in Jesus' name has healed this man standing before you. Peter and John didn't do it. We know that. Prayer didn't do it. They, didn't, they, had, did not, had, they had not just come back from prayer. They were going to prayer. This is just, you know, this is just a day, and they're walking, and they see this. You know, we're called to the ministry of reconciliation, right? They're reconciling this man back to what he's supposed to be. It is the faith that comes through believing in Jesus' name that has made the crippled man walk right in front of your eyes. My fellow Jews, I realize that neither you nor your leaders realize the grave mistake you have made. Could you imagine if when you were standing there and you're the ones and you're the Jewish leaders, you know, and you see that. And when he says that, you know, they're, whoo, they had to like, they filled up their huggies, as dad says. You know, you just know that went down their spine, right? But in spite of what you've done, God has fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets long ago about the sufferings of his anointed one. And now... You must repent and turn back to God so that your sins will be removed and so that the times of refreshing will stream from the Lord's presence. So we're going to uh, go on down or skip a little bit. Um, so if you'll go to chapter 4. So we're still here. We're still in the same scene. And, you know, Paul is using this, right? Uh, we just read in 1 John five fourteen, In my name, you ask anything in my name and all that. And then... God gets the glory when our prayers are answered, when we step out. God gets the glory, right? And that's what's happening here. God gets the glory. And in the beginning of Acts, it talks about when Jesus appeared to people before he 
you know, went into heaven. It talks about how he came to them with many infallible proofs. You know, and I've said this before, this is another infallible proof. And as Christians, in our everyday lives, we're supposed to be infallible proofs to the fact that Jesus is alive and he is king and he is Lord. Amen. So they're, they're still here. And the teaching and preaching of Peter and John angered the priests, the captain of the temple police, and the representatives of the Jewish, the Jewish sect of Sadducees. That's so a lot of sh 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 sounds to all put together. They were furious that the people were being taught that in Jesus there is a resurrection from the dead. Why were they so mad about that? They obviously just saw. <laughs> oh, they lost control of people when they did that. So while Peter and John were still speaking, the Jewish authorities came to the temple courts to oppose them. They had them arrested, and since it was already evening, they kept them in custody until the next day. Yet there were many in the crowd who believed the message, bringing the total number of men who believed to nearly 5,000. That one miracle produced 5,000 salvations. Wow. <clears throat> mm. The next day, many Jewish leaders, religious scholars, and elders of the people convened a meeting in Jerusalem. And those people's names, they were members of the high priest family. They made Peter and John stand in front of the council, and they, te they said, tell us, by what power and authority have you done these things? They knew. They didn't have to ask that question. Tell us. what You just saw this, you know. You, you know who it was. Like, why are you asking dumb questions? That's what I wanted to know. Like, you know this. So Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, he answered, respected elders and Leaders of the people, listen, are we being put on trial today for doing an act of kindness by healing a frail, crippled man? Well then, you and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. So he goes on to tell him, right? So we see, I mean, look at this amazing difference in Peter, right? We go from, I don't know him, three times, three times, I don't know him, to uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, you already know it's Jesus. They knew that, right? I think it's so funny, you may have heard Mark Hankin say before, uh, Peter should have been in a minister's rehab, right? <laughs> like, I denied the Lord Jesus once, and you'd have thought that had been enough, but I did it two more times, and, you know, dealing with depression, and I failed the Lord, and no, Holy Spirit just completely changed him, right? Fire the Holy Ghost. I mean, it, he forgot all that. That's not who he was anymore. We ain't got time for all that, Peter. Suck it up. Move on. This is all different now. This is new now. It's not even about you now. Go and do what Jesus told you to do, Right? I feel like we, I need to say that to myself every day, right? <laughs> That's what we should all say. So, um, <clears throat> so we see that um, they were moved. They moved in boldness after Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. So, you know, they, ca they, they captured them. They arrested them. But they really had no way to charge them. They didn't do anything wrong. So they let them go. So, but they were like, don't, don't be doing that anymore. And they were like, we, we are going to, but see you later, you know. So, um, I mean, that's basically what happened. I'm just summarizing. Um, so, when they leave, they go to uh, a place where the other um, believers are gathered. But these believers had not yet, they were not in the upper room. They had not been filled with the Holy Ghost yet. So, um, they were praying to God for this, for this boldness, right? They wanted to be able to go out and do the same thing Peter and John were doing, and wanted to be able to move in that boldness and not be afraid of what might happen to them. So they're praying. They did, I'm just going to cut in here, uh, Acts 4.28. They did to him all that your purpose and will had determined according to the destiny you had marked out for him. So now, Lord, listen to their threats to harm us. Empower us 
as your servants to speak the word of God freely and courageously. Stretch out your hand of power through us to heal and to move in signs and wonders by the name of your holy son, Jesus. At that moment, the earth shook beneath them, causing the building they were in to tremble. Each one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit and they proclaimed the word of God with unrestrained boldness. So you can see another transition of boldness and Holy Ghost, right? Now here's what I want to get to, this, this word translated boldness. And this is a footnote in the Passion Translation. I had looked it up. I had looked up this word boldness as I was doing the word study for some of the verses we went to earlier. But then I saw this footnote in the Passion that really brings out what this word boldness means. And this is really good. This same word that I'm about to tell you the definition of is the one that we've been talking about, having that access and having that privilege of boldness. This is the same word translated parisia, something pretty close to that. This involves more than confidence. It was a free-flowing, unrestrained boldness. It can also mean freedom of speech. Parisia causes nuances that are not easily brought over into English. The person who, speak, the person who speaks with Parisia will say everything that is on his mind with no restraint, flowing out of his heart with confidence. It involves being frank and honest, hiding nothing, and speaking directly to the heart. Most often it is a word used for public speaking. It refers to speech that is not tailored to make everyone happy. Mm. but to speak the truth in spite of what that may cost. I think we need some Parisia to come back into the body of Christ. It is the courage to speak truth into the ears of others. This was reserved for only the highest rank of Greek citizens. So this is not something you could do and act in. This is, this, you couldn't go around talking with Parisia, right? Not people of other lands are slaves. The right to speak freely was an essential aspect of some kind of democracy that I can't pronounce. Although it is sometimes associated with negative speech, in this context, Parisia refers to an unrestrained boldness. There was a Greek idiom that is said essentially, if you tell me the truth, no matter what the truth turns out to be, I will not punish you. In other words, you have, when you speak with Parisia, I'm giving you the allowance to do it, and whatever you say, you're not gonna get in trouble for it. You can speak as openly and as frankly and without restraint as you want. This was known as the Parisia con contract. So anyway, it goes more and talk about contrasting the difference of what we would call boldness and what really the Bible means when it talks about boldness. And this is what the Lord is saying in those verses when you have that freedom, you have that access, and you have that privilege of boldness now as a son of God, as a king. You're coming to him as a king with that access and that boldness to come up right up to him, king of kings and lord of lords. And you know, and not only with the Lord, but also we see that's that same boldness that Peter and John and the disciples, we can read all about it. There's so many examples. We do not have time in one service to look at of them moving in that boldness. You can see that boldness when Paul is before these kings giving an account and he's in jail and he's in prison and he's beaten. And it says he's still talking with that boldness. That same word is that Parisia. When, he's, when he stands before King Agrippa and says all that he says and and that boldness he uses and tells him, I think myself happy and all that. You don't talk like that in front, in front of a king. <laughs> you, don't, you don't do that when you're the one that's in chains, right? You don't have that, you don't have that public access to do that. Or, you know, you don't, you don't have that level of whatever to, to be able to do that. So it's not something natural, right? It, this is something that the Holy Ghost that because of the Holy Ghost, they were able to walk in this kind of boldness. They were able to do this. And so 
we're called to have that same boldness. Amen? Amen. And when, when we know who we are and we, um, we spend time meditating in who we are, but then it goes even beyond that. We can meditate in who we are, but then act in that. Be doers of what we're meditating in, right? Putting that boldness in, just trust in the Holy Spirit. This goes beyond, see, this Parisia-type boldness is what it's talking about. It is not a personality. It is not a personality because you know the disciples, they did not have that. A lot of them did not have that personality, right? I mean, Peter was hot-headed, but he denied Jesus three times when push came to shove, right? When the rubber met the road, he's like, I don't know Jesus who. So this is not a personality, and this is not being, this is not a boldness that is rude. It is a boldness that is blunt and speaks the truth no matter what the cost. You know, there's so much today of political correctness and not wanting to say certain things, and I don't really want to offend anybody, and I don't want to. Well, Jesus offended a lot of people, and he is love. He didn't set out to offend people because that is not agape's nature. But he did because he spoke the truth. And to be honest, he really wasn't offending the people. He was offending the devil that had control of the people, that was oppressing the people. You know, when Pastor talked about, he talked about the strongholds and, and a, a few months ago, and he did a, a teaching on that and the spirit of offense. And when, you know, something that's even from the pulpit spoken and there's offense taken to that, well, why is that? Why is that offense there, right? So, you know, Jesus, you know, he is love. He is agape. But he spoke boldly, Parisia, and he spoke the truth in love. And it, I mean, you, they're ready to throw him off cliffs and do all this kind of stuff. And, and then we say, well, I don't really want to offend them. And I didn't really know how they believed. And that, that's, that ain't going to work in these last days. It's not. That, that's passivity. And, you know, Holy Spirit, he, when we lead, when we let him lead and we follow his lead and, you know, he, he helps us to engage in those conversations and in those hard conversations, right? And, he, and we know when to back away and when to push forward. But, you know, it's like, um, it was like an example I could give. It was Christmas Eve, this past Christmas Eve, and I had to go into Dollar General to, uh, to, to get some things. It was Carter's birthday. And um, there was one woman working in Dollar General on Christmas Eve, and it was really cold. And she was not very happy to be there, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> I mean, would you like to work at Dollar General on Christmas Eve and be the only person there when no one else wants to work, right? And she, you could just tell, right? It was just kind of like, you know, she's doing the best she can, but she's just really fed up with some stuff. And I was just, I was in a hurry. I had so much to do that day. I had people coming over to the house for Carter's birthday. You know, I was whatever. And I was walking out and, you know, I was just trying to be as nice and polite as I could be to her. And, you know, didn't take offense to whatever because, you know, look at her circumstances. She's, she's just having a rough day. And I was leaving. I had to hurry and get back home. And the uh, <clears throat> Holy, Holy Spirit told me, go give her $100. And I thought, I don't want to give her $100. <laughs> I mean, that was my initial thought. Like, that can't be the Lord, you know. That, that was not the Lord. But it was. And I got in my car, and I thought, I, had to, I thought, well, she's, she is so just offended at everything. And she's just so whatever, you know. And I don't want to offend her more by, you know, telling her the Lord loves her. And, you know, she may not even believe in Jesus. And I thought, what am I saying? I don't want to offend her because telling her that the Lord loves her. I mean, what if that changed her life? Right? 
You know, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel unless you think it might offend somebody. Then don't do that. <laughs> we cannot do that, right? Because that's where we are today now. You know, we're too worried about saying the right thing and do the right thing. And, and, and so I did. I went and I pulled $100 out and I went back in there. And she looked at me like, why are you back? Right? She was, she'd already seen me. She already dealt with me. And I said, I know you're busy. I just want to tell you that the Lord loves you. And I'm sorry that you're here all by yourself. But, I, you know, he loves you. I want to bless you. I don't even know you, but I love you because he made you. And, and I'm a Christian and I have his love for everybody. And thank you for being here today because, I, you know, I needed to, there's going to be people that need to come in here all day long. I needed to be here. And I appreciate that you didn't call out like everybody else. And the Lord sees you in your faithfulness and, and he will reward you for that. So here's this and Merry Christmas. And I hope you have a great day. She was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, and just started crying. And I, would, I, was not, I was not expecting that reaction from the woman that was acting like she was, you know. But she's in Jemison, obviously. She's whatever. She may see me. Hey. But because um, I forget, you know, we're on live. But just to see, you know, I was like, I don't want to do that. She's already offended. I'm just going to make her more mad. I'm getting in her way. And, you know, she don't want to hear about Jesus and whatever. And just the, you know, and I had things to do. I had people coming over to the house. I got to do this, this, and that. And I really, you know, I was like, I really don't even need to give her the $100. But Holy Spirit took care of all that. I mean, all of that. And then just to see how it changed that lady. Oh, my gosh. It blessed me so much just to see, just to see how much that meant to her. And just to really know, like, how much she means to the Father, the Holy Spirit, that He knew what she needed. And just to see, you know, it was just amazing, like that compassion. You know, Jesus moved in compassion in everything he did. And I just felt that compassion for that lady. And I got in the car and I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. I should not have been like that. That, you know, I say one thing about, I, I mean, I, that's something I strongly despise in our day right now is the passivity and the compromise and the, it really, it, the fear of man. And I don't want to offend them. And I don't know if that might be pushing the envelope too far. And, well, I mean, Jesus was beaten and hung up on a cross. And he didn't even recognize a man. He pushed it too far on purpose. And I don't want to, maybe, you know, I don't know how they believe. And I thought, I am so sorry. You know, that, that is not right. Anyway, but just remembering that woman's face, man, it, it almost brings me to tears just thinking about it. But... You know, when we, when we obey Him and just step out in boldness, I mean, with the scriptures we read, all the promises we have are in Him, are yes, and in Him, so be it. It's yours. It's done. You know, that brings such boldness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And we are not to shy back from confrontation with believers or unbelievers. We are not to, to stay quiet and to stay silent and like, you know, everything's kind of, you know, everything's going good for me right now and I'm just going to kind of stay to my corner of whatever and, you know, I get excited and hoop and holler at church and then, you know, but that's not what we're called to do. We're called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, you know, that, that can look as simple as someone who's having a hard time at work or someone you see having, you know, if you see a need, meet it, you know. Don't, don't worry about, is this going to offend them or offend that? If the Lord tells you to do it, do it. You know, he knows what's going on in their lives. Holy Spirit leads you into all truth. You know, we can trust him. We can be bold to step out and trust him. You know, it, it brought me back to what pastor has been talking about. We are God's son. We are the devil's master. And we are man's servant. 
And we're, we have that boldness to step out and to live that and for that to be a reality for us. We don't have to be afraid about anything. God did not give us a spirit of fear. He did not, that cringing, fawning fear, that timidity, that drawing back. Well, it's not really my personality. He didn't say anything about personality. He didn't say anything about that. He gave you everything he has. You and him, are, we're one spirit with the Lord. I mean, wow. I mean, you really think about that and you meditate in that and then you move from that place as a son of God and I'm one spirit with the Lord. You know, when we reach out and we bless somebody, we lay hands on the sick, we're, we're, you know, we know we're the conduit, but if we're one spirit with him, it's like he's reaching out and touching them. It's not us. Peter and John said, look at us. Why? Because they knew, they knew what they had. They knew who they were in him. But then when those people said, they were looking at him, they said, why are you looking at us? It's not us that did it right? It's not us that we're just so good and we're just, you know, we, you know, we read the Bible, the whole entire Bible every year. And that is great. That's a great thing to do. But I know people personally, um, well, but anyway, I know people personally who read the Bible the entire year and they need some help. And the Lord wants to help them. And, you know, they, they think that Stuff that we teach and believe are just crazy. But, you know, when, when hard times come, I get a text. Right? It, it's, offensive to, it's offensive sometimes if in a conversation if I say certain things and I'm whatever. Well, I know that. Well, I know that. Well, I, I read my Bible and all that. Well, what's, what's, what's the use of reading the whole Bible in a whole year if you don't really know? And there's no changes. And you're not living it. You know? And you don't really know who you are. And you don't. You know, you see the difference. So all those things are great. But it's not, you know, Peter and John went over there and said, look at us. We've read the Bible in a whole year. <laughs> so, you know, and we've been praying and, you know, uh, we, don't, we did all these things. And, you know, we washed all of our neighbor's donkeys and we did this and we did that. And we, I mean, you know, we, the list could go on and on, right? They didn't, say, they didn't say any of that. They just said, look at us. We have what you need. And that one miracle produced all those salvations because two men just, just, it didn't say they, had, they didn't even say they had a word of knowledge. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if I get a word of knowledge, I would definitely. No, you won't. <laughs> no, I won't. If I won't go to them and say, you know, that's not right. I'm going to take, I'm going to, we are going to fix that situation. We're his ambassadors. We're acting in Christ's stead. We're here representing him. What would he do? You know, Jesus is not waiting on a, and word of knowledge is a great, you know what I'm saying, I, you know, prerequisite to everything I'm saying. But Jesus didn't wait on a word of knowledge to, to do this and to do that, not that he never had them. But, you know, it's like, he said, believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, right? In my last page of notes, I'm wrapping up. I just realized what time it was. But I'm just going to say this and we'll, we'll close. Mark 16, 17. Remember, shall and will are strong promises from God. They are guarantees that you have His Word. Mark 16, 17. And these miracles, these miracle signs will accompany those who believe. They will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from snakes and from drinking anything poisonous, any kind of danger. And they will lay hands on the sick and it said, and they shall recover. They will heal them. They shall recover. You have so many wills and shalls in that one verse. 
That's, that's all he said. This will accompany those who believe. What's my part in it? I believe, and because I believe, I do. Paul said, we believe, therefore we speak. Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Uh, he didn't give any kind of, he just told you, shall, 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 shall. He's saying it, it's going to happen. You have his word on it. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have, have them. You have his guarantee. He said, have faith in God. You've got my guarantee, right? So ending, <clears throat> I want to, uh, well, I got, I want to end it this way. Time got away from me. This is, I'm almost done, I promise. Um, <laughs> this, is the, this is the final the word to my sermon. Um, <laughs> I think we've seen this book before. I think Dad has shown this book before. This book is called The New Wine is Better. It's by Robert Tom. This is such a good book. I think you could probably, there's not very many copies left. There may be some on Amazon. It's all, this copy that I have is an older book. It says, The Story of One Man Who Saw the Invisible, Believed the Incredible, and Received the Impossible. I've read this book several times over the last several years because it's something you could read again and again. And when you start reading it, you just cannot put it down. This is a story of somebody who just, I mean, just absolutely have faith in God and take him at his word and step out in boldness in that Parisia type boldness, right? And the miracles and just, I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. And it will embolden you and so ignite your faith. But this man, I mean, he just, wow. It, but this is how he ends the book. This is what I wanted to to bring out, and I think it kind of sums up in that we have a sure thing in the Lord, and we can be boldness, and we can have boldness, that Parisian boldness, and step out and, and change things because of who we are in Christ. The righteous are as bold as a lion, right? And we know that because of who we are. So in the end of this book, he's talking to his wife, and they're, they're talking about something that happened, and she says, uh, lots of Christian people don't see the kind of miracles we've seen. She's telling him this. He said that, she said, the churches are full of Christian people who live dull, humdrum lives and hardly ever see a miracle. I wonder why. He says, there's just one answer to that question. Great things will never happen until you're, until you're willing to go out on a limb with God. I guess that seems like too big of a risk for some people, she said. So he says, I suppose. But after you learn how completely trustworthy God's word is, it doesn't seem like a risk anymore. And he ends the book. I mean, that is, and it's true, right? That's amazing. And when you read this book and, whew, it's, it's wild. And you just see, it's just that, just simple. This is who I am in Christ. This is what I have. I mean, we've got everything that we need, right? We have absolute, God has set us up for absolute victory overwhelming victory. We have overwhelming victory through Jesus. He is our victory. Amen. So in ending, the righteous are as bold as a lion. And that's who we are. And that's something we should be saying every day over ourselves. I'm bold as a lion because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No matter what comes up, whether it's it's ministering to somebody and it's stepping out in ways that we've never stepped out, making changes, business changes, financial changes, relationships, no matter what it is, I'm bold as a lion because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in. 
and hope you have a blessed week and we'll be back Sunday.